Welcome to the Sojourners in the Storm Bible Study Podcast. Today we will be finishing out chapter 4 in the Gospel of Mark. We will be going through verses 35 through 41. The title of this message is Jesus Over All. So with that, let's begin. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for this time. Father, I pray and just ask you, please just go before us today, Lord. Father, I pray that uh, you would fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we delve into the Word, as we look at what you have for us to learn and to see, Lord. Father, I pray that you would go before each and every one of us today, Lord, and just uh, just bless us, Lord, in this message, in your Word, and in all that you do for us, Father. We thank you. We pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, you know, as we've covered before, if you've listened to a lot of these messages, uh, the subject of faith. Now, faith is something that must be tested in our lives. We hear the word of God, we read it, we profess it, but none of that means anything if we are unable to trust in what we know and what we believe when the going gets tough, right? You know, faith is not something that you have to claim, that, that you have or claim. Faith is something that you live out. You know, for the apostles, their faith, just as ours, was to be tested. They had spent the last year and a half with Jesus, watching him perform miracles and teach. But now, as we will see, it was time for them to fully trust and have faith in what they were hearing. And so let's read our passage. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, on the, day, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat unto the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke, uh, awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus has authority over all situations. We are often, uh, very often called by the Lord to go out and do things that we are not entirely comfortable doing. You know, we have great examples of men and women in history that God called to, on to do things and went on to do them. Just like I mentioned before, faith is the attribute that moves us in the direction of completion of the calling on our lives. Now, I believe that there are two factors that come with our response to the callings God put, puts on us. One is faith and one is love. You know, if we truly love God, we will respond in love to the callings he has uh, put in front of us. You know, it's like when you have a spouse that you truly love, all you're going to want to do is talk about them and sing their praises. Well, we are the bride of the Lamb, correct? You know, we should be singing His praises at all times. You know, 99.9% .9 of the callings on our lives require us to go out into an unbelieving world and sing the praises of the God that saved us, that died for us and loves us unconditionally. You know, if we love Him back the way He loves us, it makes it all that much easier for us to follow that calling. You know, the second is faith. Faith is trust. If we trust God, if we believe in His promises, in His authority, and in His sovereignty over all existence, then our faith should never be something that we call into question. True faith and trust in God will take a, pers uh, a person to the ends of the earth and into any situation, 
because a faithful person knows and understands that God is there. God is sovereign, and God is more powerful than any situation that may present itself, because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He will work all things for his glory. We are the agents in which he chooses to use for those purposes, and he will see us uh, through all situations. You know, in our passage today, we read about the disciples of Jesus crossing the familiar Sea of Galilee, you know, the body of water that they had thus far made their livings off of as fishermen, as tax collectors uh, uh, of those fishermen, and so on. You know, the town of Capernaum, which many of the apostles came from, was located on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. This was an everyday place for them. You know, God very seldomly calls us into extreme circumstances, but he uses us in our ordinary surroundings as agents of change. So let's take a look at how Jesus uses the ordinary surroundings of the fishermen as a means of expressing his extraordinary protection when we have faith in his calling. So let's take a look at it. Verse 35 says, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat unto the boat, so that it was already filling. You know, when Jesus says something will happen, trust that it's going to happen. So in our text, we've spent the last few weeks looking at the parables of, that Jesus spoke to the farming community in Galilee. On the same day, we read now, the day is growing short, and Jesus believes, and Jesus gives the command to cross the Sea of Galilee from Capernaum to the country of the Gadarenes as we will see in verse 1 of chapter 5. Now, along with the boat that Jesus taught from, we see that there were other boats in the convoy, or I guess you would call it a fleet since it was on water. But during the voyage, the storm begins to pick, kick up, and the boats start to struggle and take on water. Now, for the disciples, this had to be frightening. They were used to staying closer to the shores of Capernaum. They were experienced there in their fishing grounds and did not often cross the sea. Now, it's worthy to note that on the Sea of Galilee, it's quite normal for raging storms to kick up out of the blue, and so this was an ordinary occurrence with an extraordinary meaning. Now, I believe, though, that Jesus knew that this storm was going to happen. I think he was aware of the severity of it. In fact, if we think about it, he probably set the whole thing up. You know, if Jesus is God, then Jesus has power over the seas. Why would he do this? I believe it was to teach his disciples to trust him and listen when he sends them without hesitation. You know, this was a lesson in faith for the disciples. When Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side, Jesus means that we are going to cross. Now, the key to the command Jesus gave uh, that we should focus on is this. He said, let us cross over to the other side. You know, think about the word us. That's plural. That means that he was with them. You know, Jesus didn't say, hey, head over to the other side and I'll see you when you make it or if you make it. He didn't say, let's try to get there. He said, let us cross over. That meant that he was with them and that he was in control. You know, the same applies to us when we are called to do something for God, to go out and witness, to greet in church, to teach children, you know, to care for children, whatever. We are not alone. We are never alone. God is with us every step of the way. He wouldn't ever send us alone, 
We are agents of light, and He is the oil that amplifies that light. You know, we should never be afraid to go when God says to go. The reality of life is that Jesus can and must be trusted in the storms of life. In verse 38, it says, But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, saying to him, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, we will always be subject to storms and trials in life. As Jesus slept, the disciples worried. Sort of wonder what was going on in their minds while all this was taking place, right? If you think about it, you know, were they worried about their standing with God as the boats rocked and rolled? You know, were they afraid that they had angered him in some way as the boats swayed to and fro? Did they lose confidence and wonder if following Jesus was the right choice? You know, oftentimes we are tested by storms in our lives. We can easily start to wonder if it's something to do with our being disobedient, missing church, or some other sin that's in our lives, right? You know, we can look back at Jonah and the example that he set as he tried to run away from God and his calling in disobedience, but what uh, was swallowed up after being thrown overboard in a storm, much like this one, by a bunch of pagans. You know, if we go back to Jonah chapter 1, verse 10, it said, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he, told, uh, because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may calm, uh, may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord. Please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and took vows. You know, man, when God's going to use you, he's really going to use you, right? Now look at the example of Jonah here. Even in his disobedience, God used him in a way that caused others to believe. Now look what else happened. These men cried out to the Lord. They did as the prophet had suggested and threw him overboard. And when he threw him overboard, God calmed the sea. You know, who's in charge of the seas? God's in charge of the seas. You know, the fact of the matter is, though, that even in our... our even though our obedience is... We are in obedience, I should say. You know, we are still subject to trials and storms. You know, if we are going to be Christ-like, we must be refined. We must be sharpened and we must be tested. He brings us into storms and through storms to go through, uh, to go through us, to grow us, I should say, in faith and character. You know, Jonah went into the storm because of his disobedience, but the disciples went into it in their obedience. You know, we should never consider why we are in trials when we approach them, but realize that we are in them because for Christians, trials are a way of life. Remember, we are either going into them, coming out of them, or in the middle of them. You know, if we're not having trials, we're not living for the Lord. It's that simple. Now, for the disciples, the lesson of trials was about, being, uh, was about to be learned. You know, their faith is called into question, and Jesus is summoned. Teacher. 
Do you not care that we are perishing is what they said. You know, they were convinced they were going to die. Jesus, though, had other plans. He was asleep in the stern or the high point of the boat on a pillow that may have been the cushion that was used by the lookouts when the boats were on the water. You know, but he was unfazed by the commotion. He slept through it. He was fully man, remember, and men sleep. But the point is that he had instructed the disciples to cross. He was with them, and therefore the voyage was going to finish where it was intended to be finished. You know, how many times are we moved by the Holy Spirit to step out in faith and go do something for the Lord? You know, what do we do first when that happens? Do we question ourselves? Do we question our abilities or our resources? You know, we often forget that it's not about what we have or what we don't have, but the fact that God has called us to do it. He prepares us to do so, and he's uh, with us while we are doing whatever he calls us to do. You know, even when we don't understand the preparation that's been put in front of us in our lives, God will use everything that we've ever done, every experience that we've ever had, to move us through these different situations. You know, for the disciples, their fear was death. For us, so often I think our biggest fear is failure. You know, what if I start this Bible study and nobody shows up? What if I start this podcast and nobody listens? What if I sign up for children's ministry and the kids don't like me? You know, it's always what if, what if, what if. You know, and those what ifs always use, uh, always lead to the excuse of not doing something. You know, it shows how little faith we have when we can't even get started doing uh, something that we're called to do. In verse 39, it says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So knowing God is in control will help when fear conflicts with faith. You know, Jesus calms the storm. The storm does not begin to subside. It does not weaken. It does not tail off. It stops immediately. Now, I think this is what made the disciples so afraid. Not just that the storm stopped, but that it stopped immediately. It's like when I go catch my dog, Penny, trying to steal the cat's food dish, and I tell her no. You know, she understands my authority and stops and goes away, pretending it didn't happen. You know, Jesus has that authority over his creation. Therefore, he controls it. Jesus had thus far in the lives of the disciples shown his authority over the demonic realm in casting out demons. If we remember first, uh, the first chapter in Mark, starting with verse 23, it says, Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have, you to do, uh, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? That new doc- uh, What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. You know, Jesus had shown his authority over sin and the human body, if you recall, in chapter 2 when he uh, healed the paralytic. So Mark chapter 2, verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, your, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they uh, reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, 
Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to you, uh, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. And now we have Jesus showing his dominion over nature itself. For the disciples, their rebuke came for two reasons. The first is that they did not trust in the word of God. You know, Jesus that very day had just told them that the kingdom of God was going to grow into a large kingdom from a very humble beginning. You know, they must have doubted that message because immediately that same day, they thought they were going to die. Alongside the very mustard seed, if you recall the last study, uh, that was about to grow into a giant tree, right? How does anything happen if, if the beginning, the seed, dies with them? You know, they had thus far been with Jesus as he taught, as he performed countless miracles, as he rebuked men's traditions and put God's law above all else. They saw him over and over again for over a year to this point prove his divine authority, and yet they still struggled to even believe that he, uh, what he was telling them. You know, their focus was on the present and not on the future. When we focus on the present as believers, we lose sight of the promise. Uh, when we get caught up in what, we, what might happen in the short term, the long-term use that is intended for us goes out the window. You know, we have to have our courage. We have to have our courage not, uh, come not only from our willingness to follow through with our calling, but in our understanding that God is with us and will see us through. Now, secondly, their lack of faith is caused uh, caused them to separate themselves from God's calling. You know, they were convinced they were going to die. The panic had set in, and they were forgetting who they were with. You know, what happens to us when God calls us to do something, and we suddenly stop mid-task and turn around because we're scared? You know, we separate ourselves from the will of God when we do that. You know, if His will is for mankind to be saved, and we are unwilling to give the message of salvation out of fear, we separate ourselves from his will. You know, the disciples started out on the path to the other side of the sea. But mid-journey, when things got uncomfortable or different from their daily routines, they were afraid for their lives. You know, the Christian life is not about how we start, but about how we finish. Are we willing to see through the callings on our lives? Or are we going to be like the seed that falls on the, gr the hard ground when we look back at the parable of the sower and rise up and be quickly and, and quickly wither away. You know, are we going to be lamps or a lampstand uh, on a lampstand where the world can draw its direction, or are we going to hide under a bed where we are comfortable and uh, with ourselves? Right in Hebrews chapter three verse twelve, it says, "Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, uh, be any of you, and in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God." You know, do we have a willingness to follow where God leads, or are we going to be scared of the journey? You know, the journey is always going to be full of trials and hardships, but our faith in God, our understanding uh, that He is leading, is what will make them all the, uh, the more worthwhile. You know, when we do that, we draw closer to Him, and that is the purpose of them. You know, you think back to the, the shepherds in the fields of Israel, and you know, every once in a while, they would have a wayward sheep in their flocks. 
And so what they would do is they would go and get this lamb and they would break one of its legs. And I, you know, I know it sounds pretty mean and, and horrible and stuff like that, but what would happen after that is the shepherd would pick up that lamb each and every day in the morning, carry them out to water, carry them into the pasture, and, and uh, you know, feed them. At night, he would pick them up and bring them back into the sheepfold. But what happens is that lamb learns to depend on the shepherd. And so every day when that, sh that lamb is healed, that lamb's going to follow the shepherd wherever he goes because now he trusts in him, right? He's putting his life on the shoulders of that shepherd. Well, the same thing happens for God in our trials and in the storms, right? It's not that he's chastising us and it's not that he's punishing us for something. But what he's doing is he's using these storms and he's using these trials as a way for us to depend more on him. So we should always be looking back to him for these different things. You know, the more trials we go through and the more we depend on him to get him to get us through them, the more closer of a relationship we're going to have with him and the more we're going to follow him. You know, when we rely on God, we can do all things because he will do all things through us. But it starts with trust. It requires love. And most of all, it means that we look to him and not at all the other things that are happening around us. In verse 41, it says, They feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, Jesus has power over his creation. Now, going back, do you see the theme in what happens when Jesus exercises his authority over creation? You know, when he cast out the demon, the response was astonishment. When he healed the paralytic, the response was the same. Here, even the, the, the disciples that had been witnesses to both acts were still astonished. If we look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all, all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. You know, ancient pagan stories told of powerful individuals that were able to subdue the forces of nature, but were always associated with gods or even heroes of distant and unverified stories from the past. Many Jewish people believed that angels controlled the forces of nature, but we must remember that the angels had somebody to answer to, and that is God himself. In Psalm 107, verse 29, it says, He calms the storm so that its waves are still. You know, despite all the, that the disciples had seen and heard, they were still struggling, I think, with the reality of Jesus and his divine nature. They had yet to learn that Jesus is the one person, the one entity in the entire universe that, that we can solemnly place our trust in and never think twice about. You know, we should never be amazed by the miracles that God performs in our, uh, never cease to be amazed by the miracles that God performs in our, in or around us, but we should never be in fear of them either because we know uh, just who God is and that he is for us and not against us. You know, we can take great comfort in knowing that we do serve the God that is Lord over all, that he advocates for us and that he protects us. You know, if we are not willing to follow God, we need to reevaluate our faith. Remember, faith is not just some word that we wear on a necklace or a sticker 
or in our water bottles or any t-shirt or footsteps posters that we have on the wall. Faith is trust and trust is the product of love between the saved and the Savior. You know, God wants to use us. God seeks to use us. But we first have to learn to rely on him in all that we do. You know, we cannot lead unless we first learn to follow. You know, when we have trials, we need to look at him as our means of survival. When we are in storms, he is there bringing us through. Of all the be the beings in creation, God has chosen us as his salesmen. Think about that. He could use the angels that see him and can enter into and exit has heaven. But instead, he uses us because our faith and our trust in him glorifies him even more. You know, we are his greatest miracles because he has delivered us from death. He has removed our transgression and he has given us eternal life. You know, all the oil of Olay or mineral waters and the vitamins, the Botox or whatever in the world cannot give you eternal life. Only Jesus. You know, in return, though, he wants to use us. And, and use us, he will. You know, he doesn't call us to go plant churches, not all of us anyway, or to travel to some foreign country to be missionaries. There are those are special tasks uh, for those that he equips to do so. But will he? what he will do on, on a common level, through the layperson, through each and every person, people like me and you, is this is what he will do. God frequently uses us in our ordinary lives and in our ordinary surroundings. Think about that. He will use us at work. He will use us at the gym. He will use us in the supermarket. He will use us in our homes, in places where we are normally at, right? The disciples were in their own boats, on their own sea, with their own equipment, and they still had trouble dealing with the storm. You know, for each of us, we face storms at work. We face storms at home, at school, whatever. Uh, they are all places we are used, but can be uh, can be used as a means of shaping us, right? We should expect trials wherever we're at and with whatever we do, because we are always being refined just as the disciples were. The question is, are we willing to look to Jesus for the answers to the trials, or are we going for the lifeboats and bailing? Right? Our lives are a journey across the tumultuous sea we call life. You know, we have to trust Jesus as believers that we will endure and reach the end on his terms. You know, we have no reason ever to be afraid of any situation because Jesus is always in control. Remember that, guys. When we go through trials, when we go through these hardships, God is not going to bring us around them. He's not going to give us a shortcut past them. Uh, he's not going to take us under, over, or, or in any other way, but right through them. And you know what? Even if it doesn't feel like it, even if we don't know, he's always right there by our side. He is leading us through. He's showing us the way. And we can have faith in that. Now we'll end with this poem by Edward Harper. And he writes, Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown waves before me roll, hiding rocks and treacherous shoals. Chart the compass, come from thee, Jesus, Savior pilot in me. Father God, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for always just being with us, Lord, for guiding us through all these different things. Lord, I pray that we would never be afraid when you call us to do something, knowing that you're right there with us, bring us bringing us through, Lord, 
in control of the situation. And Lord, that no matter what, we have your promise of salvation and eternal life. Father, I pray that you would go before us, Lord, and embolden us, use us in any way. Father, I thank you and I pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.